Big Fluff. Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. Hey, this is Billy West, and as my friend Zap Rangan would say, you're listening to Hobo Radio. What does that make me, a hobosexual? And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And today I am bringing you my interview with Gordon McAlpin, the creator of Multiplex, a fantastic webcomic, which actually just ended its run this week. And uh, I sat down with Gordon to to talk to him about the, the strip, how he got into webcomics and also to talk about uh, the sort of life after the strip for Multiplex, which is uh, the Kickstarter he is currently running to create a digital short based on the comic. And it was a, a really lovely chat. I think you guys are going to like it. We got into Star Wars a little bit, so there, there's some fun with that. And it's just a, a interesting look into a guy who had this career path sort of unexpectedly laid out for him, which I think was really cool that he had this comic that became the center of his uh, creative endeavors sort of inadvertently, as you'll learn uh, listening to the interview. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. So without further ado, here it is, my interview with Gordon McAlpin. I kind of wanted to, if we can, so um, I just want to go like all the way back, like just start. Um, <laughs> if I were to all the way back, all the no, and well, I, mean, I was born in South Carolina, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember much of it, but I'm told I was small. <laughs> well, no, I actually uh, no, but like seriously, so like as a kid, were you? Uh, were you always drawing comics? Like, if I went back and talked to people who knew you as a kid, would they be like, no, I knew uh, he was going to be into this? Like, were, are there those kind of stories? Or, uh, Yeah, I mean, when I was in uh, grade school, for sure, I was drawing in class all the time. Um, I I didn't pay attention. I, <laughs> I was just doodling uh, the whole time. Um Around sixth or seventh grade, maybe I started getting into like, um, like superheroes and stuff. I, maybe a little earlier than that, um, and uh, and so I was you know making up my own superheroes constantly, and and that's probably when I started really thinking about doing comics. But um, I guess I'd kind of casually read them before. I, I mean, I just remembered that I, I was drawing a little sci-fi thing in like third or fourth grade. This is like eighty-three or so. Uh, 80, 83 or 84 um, and uh, I couldn't uh, for some reason I hadn't seen Star Wars yet I think my my, my dad it didn't take me until uh, Empire was in re-release before Jedi or something I don't remember exactly what the time frame was but uh, but I was like so obsessed with Star Wars despite never having seen the movies it was just from like seeing the trailers and stuff on TV and the toys, of course. And so I was just making up in my head <laughs> what I thought Star Wars was like. Like people had laser swords and crap like that. Uh, and so I, you know, I remember I was drawing like a, a sort of a comic then, but you know, it's a third grade kid idea of a comic who, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, you know, I'm a little better now at drawing. So. <laughs> Uh, it is fascinating though with Star Wars, like how because uh, uh, my fiance, like we were just hanging out with her little cousins, and 
they're like five and three and they've never actually seen a Star Wars movie, but they're just so aware huh. of like, like, I think somehow it just permeates through the culture that just there's an awareness of uh, just you somehow are born being somehow aware that a thing called Star Wars exists. Right. Well, I, I have two nieces um, and I'm a bad uncle. I, I think they're like five and three also. I hope my brother doesn't listen to this and yell at me. Uh, <laughs> but um, maybe six and four now. Uh, but they're like, they're really into Star Wars. And like my, the younger one, Ada, she loves Anakin. So, oh. you know, she's a big fan of the prequels. She thinks the later ones are a little boring. So, you know, <laughs> you know, he, he's a bit of a failure as a father in that respect. But uh Maybe he'll, uh, maybe they'll outgrow it. <laughs> <laughs> I was think that, I, I don't know. That's so fascinating too. I've seen all those discussions of like what the correct order that you should be showing prequels to kids. Like there was that, uh, you know, you show them like <laughs> four or five, then one, two, three, six. One, two, or, three, then six. Yeah. yeah. Like all. <laughs> Uh, and then so there are some people who are like skip Phantom Mess in, in, entirely because there's just no reason. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, you know, but then you miss Darth Maul and uh, he's kind of cool and he, he figures into he figures into Clone Wars or Rebels, is it? Rebels. I, I don't know. I don't watch those. But uh, I've seen a couple of episodes of, of uh, Rebels and uh, maybe a season or so of Clone Wars. And, you know, he figures into one or one or two of those. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, so, you know, the thing is, if you go back as an objective adult, and I'm going to get all kinds of people screaming at me, <laughs> um, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, a, a lot of what, uh, what we love about it is the emotional connection. There, there's a lot of really corny stuff in both in, in, uh, well, all three of the original Star Wars movies. Um, but you know, like, why is there a monster in the garbage compactor? Um, and uh, how did how did the Millennium Falcon get from Ho- um, Hoth to I don't know where the hell uh, without hyperdrive? <laughs> you know, like like it took them a while, I'm guessing. But like, oh, I, I mean, I guess they piggyback off piggybacked off the the Star Destroyer. My memory's a little fuzzy now. Whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some angry nerds emailing me. I'm like, well canonically right no i love when people have (laughs) those like yeah the detailed someone will have that answer for you of exactly all right well i i uh sidetracked you and that was on me but uh, sure (laughs) it's fine uh, so but yeah so you were, were drawing comics as a kid you started to see it as a path um i would imagine this is me guessing but like i feel like web comics were probably uh sort of like a game changer right like this idea that you could Oh, huge! Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was, when I was in like college, I I was like, I want to be a cartoonist. I want to be a cartoonist, and and but the thing was, as much as I love superheroes and sci-fi movies and and all of that stuff, I don't really have much of an interest in writing that stuff. Um, so in the '90s, I was really interested in doing like. Uh, fictionalized autobio type stuff like down to earth not strictly speaking about me but you know kind of like indie movies on paper and there there was a lot of that going around hate uh eight ball to, to an extent that that's a that was a weird ass book um uh, love and rockets is obviously the, one of the touchstones although that gets really sci-fi sometimes too um but uh, but like the, the down to earth stories about normal people doing normal things but even in the 90s when that stuff was like super popular there's there wasn't there, there weren't that many ways to go about doing that um you could self-publish i guess but uh your avenues towards you know getting getting <laughs> to a position where you could self-publish because it cost even back then you know a few thousand dollars to to do a print run and get it into diamond or whatever other distributors existed at the time and don't anymore um you know, so so like the it never seemed um, possible for me. Um, I never really felt like uh, like I could draw comics and get my stuff out and and certainly not make a living off of it. But I'm I mean I'm still not making a living off of my comics. I, I get I make a small 
chunk of money from it and uh the rest of it's all freelance illustration freelance design um little animation recently um uh but uh but yeah until until web comics came along um I was just like, you know, I, I would love to draw comics, um, but I, I'm not really a great superhero artist. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a huge market for anything that isn't an action comic. Um, you know, still kind of isn't there, but there's there's some niche, you know, people doing things that don't involve punching and shooting. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, uh, so web comics came along and all of a sudden there were people making uh gobs of money or you know relatively speaking gobs of money making their living off of doing comics about normal people doing normal things and i was, was you know talking about video games of course um and and all of this stuff and i was just like whoa i could do this but that wasn't actually until after i'd already started doing what i didn't even realize at the time was a web comic um before Multiplex started, I did a comic called Stripped Books for uh, Bookslut.com. Uh, that's a now defunct uh, book blog uh, and, uh, uh, I guess, web magazine. Um, they they put up a little magazine section every month with features and, and whatnot. And so in Stripped Books, um, I, I, I went to book-related uh, events and... And I, uh, you know, took notes, recorded it, um, transcribed it, and turned it into a comic strip. So, like, one of the first couple was I went to this uh, book reading with um, uh, Lane, Lane Smith and John Sheska, uh, children's book writer, author, team. Uh, and, uh, you know, I turned that into a comic strip. And I sort of vaguely, if you squint your head or squint your eyes and turn your head a little bit, uh, emulated Lane Smith's style uh to to illustrate that and um i couldn't do those very often but uh you know every two three months i would get one in there i did maybe six or seven of them i think maybe a little more than that uh for book slut uh before uh the the weird kind of uh monthly update schedule for that started getting really problematic um uh like so if I did a if I covered an event that took place say mid March, um, it would take me maybe a month to draw this thing, and if I didn't get it in by you know the next deadline, uh, like six weeks later, it would have to wait a whole extra month, and then it would be two and a half months old, and it wouldn't be all that timely anymore. So uh, I started thinking about taking to it its own website and um and uh publishing it there instead where i could kind of put them up when i was done and uh so they'd be a little bit more timely i, I didn't end up actually <laughs> doing too many for for the website um because in order to keep people coming back i i decided to dust off this old idea of uh, doing something about a bunch of kids that worked in a movie theater and use that as a backup feature. Uh, I am the only person on the planet who would have thought that a uh, you know small gag strip about a bunch of kids working in a movie theater would be less popular <laughs> than the eight to twelve page uh, nonfiction comic about people talking about books. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little naive that way sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's like in hindsight, like that's um, so obvious. <laughs> like when you look around at the landscape <laughs> now, which one was going to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And um, but yeah, like almost immediately uh, multiplex uh, as a backup feature, it was getting uh, was getting more uh, more page views than stripped books. So I don't remember exactly how long it took before I was like, you know, I'm just going to focus on multiplex. Um, as much as I loved stripped books, uh, you know, because it would take a couple of months to, to, to do them and post them. Like there was no return traffic between them every once in a while, you know, like if I did want to Neil Gaiman, he would kind of like, you know, scratch his head and put out this sort of befuddled, 
backhanded <laughs> compliments. <laughs> like, I don't really know what this is, but it's about me, so maybe you'll like it. <laughs> and uh, and then, like, you know, a couple of other authors kind of did the same sort of thing. And it's funny because I'm not sure now, looking back, uh, if if uh, stripped books kind of got that sort of confused reaction because it was a nonfiction comic or if it was just bad. <laughs> um, I, I like now nonfiction comics are all over the place. And I think people would kind of get the, the, the idea of what you're going for. You know, you're, you're turning something into, you know, something that people can actually go back and read. And it, you know, unlike a news article about it, uh, it doesn't feel as timely. Like you can go back and read about, uh, you know, the Gilgamesh thing, and uh, and still enjoy it. Not even connecting it with the fact that it was about a book release. Um, you know, they're just talking about books and uh, Gilgamesh and whatever. So uh, I got a little off track. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk a bit there, but I, I do think that like some of those really hold up pretty nicely, despite the really rough artwork. Um, and uh, so I miss it. And I do want to go back to doing nonfiction comics at some point in the near future, especially now that multiplex is over. Um, but um, but yeah, after after doing strip or multiplex as a backup for strip books for a little while, I, you know, I made it its own thing, its own website. And um, the rest is history. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, you, you touched on that. I'm always fascinated with that with web comics. I think it's really fun to like when I knew I was going to talk to you for this. I went back like and read your first multiplex strip, and I think it's like oh god, <laughs> but it's that's something like so charming. Yeah. I think about web comics is that like you can kind of with a lot of these like see the artist grow. You know what I mean? Like there's this sure you know sure. Uh, so it it's always cool to see where they start and then where they end up in terms of like, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, I, I do want to say just in my, in, in slightly in my defense. Um, oh, that wasn't I an attack. Draw. I hope that didn't I, feel I, like an attack. I swear, I yeah. swear I could. No, 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 I know, no, it's not. It's just the art in, in the early multiplex was objectively bad. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not quibbling there. I just, I just want to say that um, doing a comic with vector artwork like, like multiplex is, uh was like relearning how to draw and um and it's not even just like i knew how to draw illustrations with adobe illustrator kind of i was okay at it um but uh but doing even doing comics versus doing static you know illustrations uh was different because you had to start approaching them uh, the characters as like puppets or at least that was my approach i know like for instance john allison he did scary go around uh, with vector art for a long time he didn't do that, and and I think that's one of the reasons why he inevitably abandoned it is because he uh, he was doing a highly uh, inefficient but probably probably ultimately better um, way of uh, drawing everything except for maybe the heads uh, you know unique every time uh, or just about every time and maybe recycling some backgrounds a little bit. I build up a whole library. Over the course of Multiplex, I built up a giant library of backgrounds that I could reuse, like sets, um, not unlike animated, you know, shorts uh, or animated TV shows do. Um, you know, the South Park guys don't, <laughs> right? Don't redraw everything every single time. They they they're like, hey, let's pull out this the school background, and uh, you know, they might have a couple of new ones uh, mixed in here and there, but it's all just you know an updated layout, new characters, and new situations, etc. Um, but yeah, so like I, I did know how to draw a little bit by hand, and you could see some of the you know the early strip books. I could draw okay, reasonably. Um, but but then um, you know doing multiplex, uh, not only was I just learning how to do a comic with Illustrator, but I was figuring out what kind of drawing style I wanted to do. At first, I wanted to you know do something very South Parky. Uh, I thought that that would be simple, fast. <laughs> it was not. It was not. Um, and um, and then eventually, I started kind of gravitating. I wanted toward doing a more. Um, uh, more a slightly more detailed approach um, and and I kind of settled on something that is that was you know had a little bit of detail into it um, and I gradually I did gradually add uh, 
a few or change some details here and there. Like the characters started off having like black dots for eyes and um, maybe a green dot for the girl with green eyes or whatever. And, uh, and so the eyes got more um, detailed at some point and, uh, and things like that. But um, so the art did get kind of adjust a little bit. Um, and I, and I would update the backgrounds to, to sort of fit, um, adding a little bit more shadow, uh, lighting anyway. Um, it was all pretty flat color, so not a ton of that, but just enough to make it feel a little bit more real ish. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was, it's just, it was just an ongoing process. And so those, those first few where I literally just had no plan and no idea what I was doing, uh, are horrible. (laughs) <laughs> so so yeah uh, but yeah no i think that is you're you're playing around and you're sort of developing your visual style and and sort of discovering mm-hmm. what the comic is meant to be so i think that is uh all natural by the way side note too i never got over a scary go around changing from the vector art like it <laughs> <laughs> well i didn't <sighs> I hate to say this, but I didn't actually uh, read his work that much until after he shifted. So to me, um, the vector stuff looked a little strange. Um, I could. I think I, you just I get was used familiar to with it. You know. Yeah. 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 I'm sure it's just whatever. Uh, I mean, I was. F- yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just. I was just saying. I mean, I was familiar with the art, but I, <laughs> this is so stupid. I, the the first time I ever heard of John Allison's uh, of John Allison's art or, or work in Scary Go Round was when someone was accusing me of ripping off his art style. Um, <laughs> of course. And so for the longest time, I had I was like, I'm not going to go look at that guy's work because <laughs> you know it'll just it'll just add to you know it'll just add to this perception of me ripping him off and i'm like how can you rip off something that you've literally never seen right um and i still i still don't think that his approach uh to to vector art and my approach to vector art look, looked at all similar but it was the fact that they were both using illustrator i guess yeah i, I don't know yeah that's so weird <laughs> that someone would feel that strongly mm-hmm. to like yeah uh. and like i even i you know this was in in the the heyday of the web comics quote-unquote community so i was i was you know sort of trying to promote the strip and forums and stuff like that and i was like I, i've literally never heard of this comic and and like he his response was so dismissive and like <laughs> so uh it was just like well yeah but if you if you you know try to imitate to someone too slavishly i'm like i'm not i'm literally not imitating him <laughs> I've, I've never heard of this person <laughs> Um, whatever, whatever. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love his stuff now. I, I, I think he's a, uh, fantastic writer. Um, he's doing, what is it? Giant days now for, uh, image. Yeah. I, I have and, to be honest. I don't, uh, I don't, yeah, I'm not keeping up with him as well as I probably should be. I think <laughs> like, it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I, I, I do, um, I do just kind of pick that one up every now and then. Um, uh, but I, I think it's, I think it's a solid, he's a solid writer. Uh, he's he can be really, really funny. Oh yeah, so, no, his um, yeah, like I, but, uh, I do really love his sense of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so, sure. le- but yeah, let's uh, go back to that a little bit. So, like, so you you launched the the comic. You think that it's going to be the <laughs> support for strip books, uh, but you know, it it starts <laughs> right. to pick up. But I, I'm kind of curious about that, like the early days and sort of what was you said it was an idea that was existed that you had, but what was your initial right. Uh, idea well uh back in like the mid to late 90s um i was i was living in peoria illinois my hometown ish and sort of my hometown anyway i grew up there from like third grade till i was uh you know 25 so as close to the hometown as as, uh, you're gonna get for somebody who moved around a little bit um and my buddy kurt who is the namesake for kurt from the comic uh he managed uh a movie theater in in there um will and Olds 14 in, in uh, peoria shout out hello uh <laughs> if anybody hears that <clears throat> they that theater is the inspiration uh in all kinds of ways for for multiplex um so he would he worked there and i worked this weird ass job where i uh you know i did production artwork for uh, a company that printed on plastic tchotchkes and so i you know set up the artwork that would go for that cleaned it up drew it and i could do this job 
anytime I wanted. I just needed to drop it off, pick up new stuff. And so being, you know, in my 20s, uh, I, or, you know, I, I just kind of gravitated towards this third shift sort of schedule where I, I would, you know, I would work in the early evening. And then once I was done, I would go out and hang out with Kurt when he got off at the movie theater, or I would go to a bar to talk to all my friends that worked at the bars and restaurants, because I also worked at uh, a bar uh, and a restaurant uh, occasionally. Um, so so I would, I would hang out with him there. And, you know, at that time, I was like, well, I, want, I really want to do comics, but I don't have any story ideas. And so he was like, at one point, he was like, well, why don't you do a comic about a bunch of people that work at a movie theater? And I was like, no, that'd be stupid. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the, the reason I dismissed it was because I was thinking, you know, graphic novel, serialized graphic novel, maybe a monthly comic book. I, I didn't have any idea. And, and, you know, web comics were not at all on my radar. I'm not even sure if they existed at that point. Maybe one or two. Um, uh, so, you know, the idea of doing it as a, a comic strip that updated every week or twice a week uh, didn't even enter my head. And so I had no idea of how to, like, do that premise uh, and be able to talk about, like, current movies, which I thought would have been interesting. Um, you know, but in, you know, a monthly comic book, you can't do that because you need like two months of lead time. And it's like everything you talked about is out of theaters already by the time, <laughs> by the time you publish it. Um, and the, the whole slice of life, um, uh, you know, thing, uh, specific to a movie theater didn't hold any, uh, tremendous appeal for me at the time. And, you know, I kind of gravitated towards doing more, uh, more character-based stuff after I'd started doing multiplex is sort of the, this gag strip. Um, uh, but, uh, but at the time I, I, I didn't really find that super interesting as a premise. Um, a couple of years after that, after I'd, I, I dismissed this idea of doing a, a comic strip about a movie theater. I was like, I think I want to do a flash animated short. Bear in mind, I, I have no idea how to animate anything in Flash at this point, um, and much much less get voice actors, much less do you know music and Flash cartoons at that point were pretty crude anyway. But I tried to kind of uh, develop this idea called Multiplex with a character named Jason, a character named Kurt uh, that worked at a movie theater, and it just it could I could never get the script to work. Um, I had this like the it was all really just a framework for them watching some weird fantastic planet fantastic four mashup parody movie i don't know uh, <laughs> so um so yeah anyway so you know i i want i first developed multiplex this idea of multiplex and even even the name multiplex as an animated short that never went anywhere and so uh when i was doing strip books and and launching its own website and i wanted to to do um you know that backup feature i was like well why don't i try this movie comic idea again and so that's where multiplex came from um it completely changed obviously because it was going to be like a, a standalone maybe you know 10 minute short uh and and then it turned into a series of gag strips that kind of turned into a sort of sitcom-y sort of <laughs> thing um and then a few few years later it turned into this kind of 12 year long epic coming of age story <laughs> so so yeah um yeah it it kind of yeah the the first few years of multiplex were just me kind of figuring out what the hell i wanted to do with the premise and um yeah, eventually I settled on something that I think worked okay. Well, when did it all sort of click into place of like, you know, like it sort of gradually took over your life. But like when when did you feel like that was like, oh, this is what I do now? Like this is, you know. Huh. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a little hard to say. Uh, once it started getting what I considered serious traffic, which is like, you know, a few thousand readers per day, uh, and actually making a little bit of ad revenue. Um, and that was like 
almost entirely a result of two things. Uh, one, advertising on something something positive. <laughs> Randall Milholland's uh, comic strip, uh, something positive. Uh, for some reason, uh, advertising on that website uh, got me like from you know, half a dozen, <laughs> half a dozen readers a day or, or whatever to, to like a thousand readers a day, uh, which was crazy for me. And then, um, and then sometime not long after that, uh, I did a couple of, um, guest strips for PVP. Um, and, and that like tripled my readership again. Um, and it kind of, after that, it, it never really had any like massive, stable jumps uh i had you know a lot of spikes here and there but it just kind of slowly trickled up and then sort of stagnated and (laughs) (laughs) and and kind of held held even for a long time um but um but yeah like i think after the pvp guest strips um is when i started taking it really seriously and and i was like okay what what can i really do with this um it didn't really turn into like uh a planned narrative until I was working on um, getting a print book together, and I was I, I was trying to get something together for at least a year before I actually um, uh, took it to Kickstarter um, because I couldn't figure out how to pay for the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was, um, you know, so I was I was doing a. Uh, an ebook collection, I guess. Uh, I don't really know exactly. Maybe it was going to be, I was thinking about publishing it in issues, but I was kind of reformatting some of the early strips to, to kind of work in a book or magazine format. And I was around that time that I started thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? And I settled on this kind of like book length, um, you know, five chapter thing. Um, so that's kind of when the content for book one came together and that was around when I was doing um what would turn out to be the the strips that would go into like book three or yeah I think maybe two or three um so at that point um (laughs) forgot what I was saying uh so so yeah uh at that point I was like okay this is this is like getting down to brass tacks I gotta make some decisions about what this strip is gonna turn into and and I had basically two choices uh do i let the characters stay the same age forever and and just kind of let it go or do i want to tell a story with an ending here and and you know age the characters and see what happens and i chose door number two um and and so at that point i kind of came up with a really really broad strokes of like what happens to the characters um getting older uh you know jason of course was a bit of an a-hole and uh and so he kind of didn't deserve to be a manager right at first and he certainly didn't deserve to quote-unquote get the girl uh, not that you know relationships should always be about deserving <laughs> things uh, women and men and relationships are not uh, are not prizes for being good people um but in fiction, they kind of often turn out to be that way. Uh, it, they come across that way anyway. But, um, but yeah, so I, I wanted to figure out kind of like when, obviously, Jason and Becky were destined to be together from the beginning. You know, that was kind of set up that way. Um, but eventually, they were going to get together. Eventually, Jason was going to become a manager. And, and then, like, how are you going to end it? And so that's when I came up with the broadest strokes of what would eventually take me like eight more years to <laughs> to to play out um so so yeah yeah that's kind of like i guess around year three or four is is what it really started to cohere and and i started getting a bit of a plan and then i always worked a little improvisationally um you know i kind of had the the vague idea of what would happen in a chapter and uh and i would kind of block out like you know okay this needs to happen next and and then I wouldn't actually write anything for the most part, except for maybe a joke or two, um, until I was sitting down to work on the strip. Um, 
for better and for worse sometimes there there are a couple of points and if you like go through the archives where i'm like yeah i don't i really had no idea what i was doing here and the story's starting to wander a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and eventually i'm like oh shit i gotta wrap things up <laughs> so so i i kind of kind of snap back into focus on the plot or what have you um but, but yeah but so you were like so you like you said you had broad strokes but you were literally like just going like strip to strip like you like I'm, i guess i'm curious about that like would you you would just sit down and like start laying out the next one like or, or did you ever like write a f like i okay I, that's a sort of vague question but like <laughs> uh but yeah so what was the process of, of like creating a new strip versus like this broader yeah, well plan? it, it it, it varied a lot. Um, like sometimes, you know, when I was, when I was blocking things out, I would be like, okay, um, you know, these plot points need to happen. And, and so like, where, where am I going to, where am oh, sorry, where am I going to fit those in? And, um, and then sometimes, you know, if I need to change a scene or I want to focus on another character, I'll have like a, an empty week. And, and I would always, kind of keep a calendar of the new movie releases so i would be like oh an x-men movie's coming out i gotta do something about that um and oh uh superman returns is coming out so i gotta leave that empty um and you know in the early years it was very much focused on what the new movie was um by like year five towards the end of year five not year five book five um which is maybe year five or six um uh, I, I kind of started getting this uh, larger arc thing. Um, you know, Jay, uh, Jason and Kurt, uh, we're going to have like this kind of intro to, mo uh, to horror movies for, for Jason, really. Kurt was going to teach him how to love horror movies, uh, begrudgingly, of course. And, uh, and that would lead into them making the zombie movie. And so that would be like the, the major arc for book six. And and then uh, seven through nine uh, were basically you know them being managers and should I spoil everything for your, re <laughs> for your listeners? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, a, you've you've you ended know, it now, right? So I mean, I yeah, yeah. I have ended it now. But uh, but so you know the the seven through nine was kind of uh, the the finale that was that was like them, you know, being managers and ultimately taking over the movie theater. Um, through a highly dramatic series of events but uh <laughs> um but yeah so so like if i if i just had a gag strip i would uh you know if i had a you know just a movie that i wanted to play with i would hopefully see the movie but not always um i would uh devour trailers and clips and trailers and clips and um reviews as much as possible i'd uh i would subject myself to reading the comments to see what people were saying about them and eventually i would get an idea that i was either angry about or chuckling about uh and and <laughs> i would turn that into to a comic strip um and you know sometimes when it was more of a story driven thing um i would have like a few strips uh just blocked out but but generally you know it did really ultimately boil down to like what needs to happen in this strip and then i would write out the dialogue first um and and try to get the pacing right uh before i draw anything um so i you know have these empty boxes and i type in the words uh and um start blocking things out with uh by which i mean like dropping in backgrounds with the characters just kind of standing there and and then i would modify the poses and draw whatever new stuff that i needed to uh to make it work um so it was kind of you know it really does go back to the the animated or the unanimated <laughs> uh thing where i I'm, I'm kind of building an animatic for an animation animated clip that never gets made um you know just kind of uh this is the pose you know this is jason angrily screaming because that's what matches the dialogue etc 
Uh, um, was there anything with these broader strokes that ended up uh, sort of getting cast aside? Like as you wrote it and the characters developed, did you kind of go like, well, this doesn't fit anymore? Or was it pretty consistent with like where you started and where you ended was in broad strokes where you always intended to go? Uh, the the very, very broad strokes were, were definitely still kind of intact. Um, I didn't expect to like Norma when I introduced her. Uh, she was supposed to be this, the, the first in a series of, of short-lived managers. Uh, and it that kind of got distilled into just Norma and Evelyn later, uh, who replaces her. And, and I guess uh, Randall as well, the regional manager. Um, so, so what would have been like three or four different managers kind of got condensed because uh, I realized it wasn't necessary once i started to like norma i thought that you know the idea that i had had of having this kind of uh uh mentor figure for jason i I felt like she really fit that well um she kind of turned into you know this uh not well liked but highly competent person um you know and that's that's really kind of what jason was too and so he she was a really fitting mentor figure for him in in some ways and um then there was like i guess when franklin was uh franklin was going to leave the company at some point um and i don't think he was ever going to come back uh the the plan wasn't for him to come back uh he was just going to stick around uh you know in the cast but i didn't feel like that made any sense it didn't work um so i figured out a way to to kind of keep him around um and and then you know he comes back in you know book nine um to help them take over the theater um i was going to drag out Jason and Becky getting together for like another year until like I hit one point late in book six that I was like, I need to do this now. It just makes sense. Um, so, so I, I kind of, you know, teased a couple of things real, you know, when I was kind of mapping things out and set it up so that I could, uh, get them together when they got together. Um, so things kind of mostly just kind of shifted up, um, or around there were a few story story arcs that didn't quite uh you know they got kind of dropped um in book three uh which is coming out in june um there was a story arc with uh with brian he gets fired in book two i think uh for stealing from the movie theater and um and he was going to come back and attempt to rob the theater a couple of times. And then, you know, and that was supposed to be this big arc. And I teased it a couple of times. But then uh, the storyline involving Franklin and Flickhead video, blah, blah, blah. It just started taking over because it got way too complicated. Um, and so doing both of those storylines at the same time, just at, at, at a two strip a week pace, just wasn't happening. Um, so I just dropped the Brian one. Uh, saying to myself that I would go back to it later and add it in to like the book collections. Um, and, uh, and so, so there are a lot of strips in book three, like about 30, maybe 20 or 20 to 30 pages of new stuff that kind of flesh that out. And, um, and so, you know, Brian gets his return, uh, in, in that, in that book, um, in the bonus comics. So, uh, but but that's probably the the most extreme extreme <laughs> instance of of a of a plot line just getting you know getting dropped. Um, I don't know. So what was it like deciding that it was time to end it, and, and how did you decide that it was like you know finally time to to wrap it up? <laughs> <laughs> well, it it really it really came down to that, that outline, you know, when I was sitting down around book uh, year three or four, um, I was like, well, how long, you know, how many books is this going to take, uh, to get from point A to point C or F as it turned out. But, um, you know, I, I knew it was going to be, uh, nine or 10 books total. Um, it was originally going to be 10 at first. Then I, I condensed it down to nine. Um, because uh, at one point it just I felt like you know a couple of them were just sort of redundant um, and uh, but but you know the 
the the broadest strokes of each book from book five on uh it, it really comes from that outline <clears throat> and so you know uh let me let me quickly whip whip up the website for my own comic so i can remember <laughs> what everything was about because i don't remember but uh okay so for instance book seven uh the characters kind of start actually becoming a little more responsible and taking on more responsibility at the movie theater then uh in eight um the, the a new manager comes in and uh and basically starts turning the theater to shit uh, and and then in nine they take it over and they save the movie theater you know it and it's you know if you if you really look at it in the most reductive terms it is a fairly time honored <laughs> uh, you know cliche plot about you know the last days of a, of a business empire records has done it uh all, all of these places have done it they've you know they've just done it in you know one night instead of 12 years <laughs> but um but yeah i mean so like those those broad strokes kind of worked out uh the way that i had first uh, planned it back in like 2009 you know 2008 2009 and um and so there was no real like you know i didn't decide that it was time to end it like you know two three years ago i was like well this is what i want to do i want to tell a finite story with an ending and there's then there's a reason for it and i hope that if people go back and read the whole thing they kind of get that overall arc and understand that continuing the story after that does just there's no real there's no more arc for these characters um jason is as as um you know as redeemed as he's ever going to get he's always going to be an asshole (laughs) um but uh but he's he's you know kind of an aware asshole who occasionally tries to temper his his tendencies uh a bit you know and and he's kind of channeled uh channeled his passion into something a little more constructive let's put it that way (laughs) kurt has always been a kind of a static character um so you know that's why Jason was really the main character, but Kurt's always been sort of a static character. And the other characters had very minor arcs, I'd say. But, um, but yeah, like, I mean, if you look at multiplex as being about Jason, like he has nowhere to go from here. It's, it's just turn, it would just turn into a soap opera after that where it's like, Oh, Jason and Becky get married. Oh, Jason and Becky have a kid or whatever. And I have zero, I like, there's nothing wrong with soap opera type stories by which I mean like this kind of continuing narrative with no actual point to it. There's nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of people love them. Uh, I have no interest in stories that don't have like an ultimate sort of meaning, you know, and I certainly don't want to tell one. So, um, so that, that's kind of why I was like, that's, it needs to end. Um, there, there's different formats that I wouldn't mind doing that kind of a thing. Um, like, uh, you know, the, the animated short that I'm doing now for multiplex, this one, this first episode is, is sort of a prequel slash reboot. It's, it's about Kurt and Jason meeting and becoming, starting to become friends. And, you know, if we get to do more of these and I really hope we do, but you know, it's, we're just focusing on the first episode right now and it is a standalone short. It'll work on its own. I think. Uh, and it'll be funny. Um, but if we do get to do more, then there is kind of an overall arc for this first season. And then there would be an overall arc for the second season uh, that I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> but we, we've got we've got ideas for what we could do with it. And I think, you know, in this context with the animated characters, I could literally continue that forever with them as, you know, their 17, whatever, 18-year-old selves just constantly talking about movies and and having uh these little mini adventures um but in a comic strip where where like the the story was really unfolding over many many years um i i just couldn't i just don't see any way of making that interesting for me i would very quickly just lose my passion for it and uh and you know it would kind of go on autopilot and then it would start to suck and i just didn't want that so i wanted it to end on a as good a note as I possibly could 
and move on to the next thing, which kind of just happens to be a different version of multiplex. Um, <laughs> but but also, you know, I have other I have other ideas that I want to work on too that that I I couldn't do with multiplex, you know, twice a week. So, um, like getting back to doing nonfiction comics, uh, well, you, um, and things like that. Well, you mentioned the the Kickstarter, but I definitely want to if people mm-hmm. are specifically interested in it i don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about like what your fundraising goals are for it and what how people can get involved in all of that good stuff to help it get made okay well um so we we just launched a kickstarter on monday which uh uh not entirely coincidentally but um slightly coincidentally uh happened to be the, the the day that the last strip for multiplex got posted um and uh I and a couple of uh, friends of mine, um, Joe Dunn, who does a comic strip called Joe uh, Jello's Crappy Movies, as well as a couple of others uh, every now and then. He also, um, uh, and he, I'm sorry, the, Joe does all of the artwork for my site as well. So I've actually, right. yeah. So yep. people, if you yep. like the artwork um, on Hobo Trash Can, that's who <laughs> you're talking about. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's Joe. Yeah, uh, he's also an incredibly funny guy, and um, and Tom Brazelton, who uh, used to do a comic called Theater Hopper, mm-hmm. um, also a very funny guy. Um, the three of us used to co-host a podcast called, called the Triple Feature, uh, where we'd argue about movies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I wanted to bring those guys in because I wanted Multiplex to be something a little different. You know, I wanted to get some other sensibilities in there. Um, I thought Joe and uh, Joe, Joe and Tom in particular would be good at helping strengthen Kurt's presence in in the animation um, by because their their sense of humor I think is a little wackier than mine and that's really Kurt's sense of humor I I can do vulgar humor because that's I'm just demented I guess <laughs> um, but uh, I can do the vulgar humor but but sometimes like just Kurt just being weird. Um, you know, it's, it's a little struggle for me. Um, I, I kind of need to have a sounding board. Uh, like when I talk to my friend, Kurt, his inspiration, uh, he kind of inspires me for like, oh, this is how Kurt would act. Um, and, and I had a couple other friends who were kind of like stand in Kurt's for a while. My friend Pete, uh, also kind of an inspiration for Kurt at times. Um, so bringing those guys in kind of helped bolster uh kurt as a character so it could be more of an ensemble cast not just jason focused um and and i also brought in uh dana shaw who is uh, a veteran web series producer um she's currently working on um a sci-fi web series uh that funded on kickstarter i think last year uh called personal space um it, it stars uh Oh boy, I think her name is Nikki Klein, Callie from Battlestar Galactica. Um, but it's a sci-fi uh, web series that's going to be coming out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I wanted to bring her in um, partly because she's more familiar with these sorts of web series formats and also to kind of keep me in check and you know remind me that I, I also have female characters that need some presence. And I, I don't think that I needed a... a <laughs> This is this is kind of a stupid way to go about saying this point. I don't think I necessarily needed a woman's voice in the writer, writer's room to write women better or, or whatever, but I think she helps uh, in that regard. But she's also just incredibly funny and, and has more experience doing web series um, than I do. So she helped me with the screenplay for the first episode, getting some structure in there that I was struggling with um, and, and things like that. Um, so the, the four of us together are the writer's room. And I think we've got a great script. Um, we got some preliminary art, a couple of like a maybe a page of storyboards, and, um, and I put that up on Kickstarter partly because I, I have this kind of hold in my freelance schedule right now. Um, I, I finished up a massive animation project last fall, and I've done some smaller things since then, but um, but I got I got nothing going on. So <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess I could I could work on this animation thing now. So uh, so. It, it just made sense to launch the Kickstarter now, uh, even though uh, I'm not quite done fulfilling um, the, the book three Kickstarter. I feel bad about that. I really wanted to wait until book three was all mailed off, but uh, it's sitting on a boat coming from China right now. So uh, there's nothing I could do about that, but wait for it and then ship them off when I get them. Um, so anyway, the, the Kickstarter for the 
animated short, <clears throat> we are asking for a $15,000 goal, which some people probably gasped then. But uh, $15,000 for, uh, for an 11-minute animated short is uh, minuscule. Um, budgets for like uh, for most animated uh, products, are, are, you know, shorts, um, certainly television are way higher. Five thousand dollars a minute. Uh, I'm sure you know most TV uh, animation costs uh, you know fifteen thousand to forty five thousand dollars a minute. Um, so so this is a really really low budget thing. Um, and the only way that's possible is because I'm the animator and I have some experience doing really low budget animation that because I'm pretty good at drawing and I'm pretty good at telling a story, I think, um, it, it, it looks better than the, the quality of the movements, uh, which I'm just okay at, but you know, so, uh, so the drawings are good. The storytelling is good. I can edit. Um, and, uh, and so we've got this, you know, concept for the for the short and it'll be very basic animation at that fifteen thousand dollar goal and we haven't really talked about stretch goals yet because um you know uh less than two days in we've raised uh eight thousand six hundred dollars of our fifteen thousand dollar goal which is fantastic but we haven't passed that initial goal yet so you know chicken counting chickens before they hatch and whatnot um it, it does look very good that we'll pass the goal, um, but in terms of getting to a stretch goal, like uh, $20,000 where we could uh, you know, do the animation in 4K and I could spend a little more time on it to make it more fluid, I could hire additional animators, uh, some of whom would be more talented than me to do the complex shots and some of whom would be uh, you know, more junior level animators to to uh do like the mouth sinking which is uh not super time consuming once the or not super hard once the the drawings exist but it's also very time consuming so uh so you know hiring junior level animators to to do that while it can free me up to work on the more complex shots um so you know the more money we raise the better this thing can look um we also would love to get a 5.1 surround sound mix um and that would be a stretch goal um because if we do it with a you know in 4k and a 5.1 surround sound mix we'll be able to get uh, or submit it for consideration into um film festivals uh, potentially um potentially uh you know shorts uh in, shorts international i think is the name of the distributor does a lot of short films um and and uh, you know things like that trying to find real distribution trying to shop this thing around to to get funding for a potential you know a possible full season of these things because multiplex has a very passionate fan base but it's not enormous um and i think that passion shows through with how quickly we've gotten to where we're at but uh but to do a full season we would literally we, we would need uh like half a million dollars and and i don't you know not to be a downer i don't <laughs> think that there's any possibility of us raising that from just you know multiplexes fans so getting this pilot funded and if we you know if we go far enough over the goal that we could do additional uh like short animated vignettes or even a second episode would be fantastic but i'm really focused on just this pilot so that we could try to find other avenues for getting a series uh, produced because I think it would be a lot of fun. I think, uh, and I think a lot of people would really enjoy it um, uh, as well. So it was, it's not just about me, you know, enjoying a, a freelance gig uh, or a self-employed freelance gig, I guess, but whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the reason why we're asking for that much money. Um, various rewards include different uh different kinds of producer credits um a really high dollar amount you can um like i think i think there's one at uh, three thousand dollars where you can uh you can be an executive producer um uh, and then the then there's uh four thousand dollars for executive producers but like there's that early bird discount for the first person who does that <laughs> Um, you know, try just try to sneak that one in there. See if anybody bites. You never know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I have in, in my previous Kickstarters for the multiplex books, I, I have put a couple of, uh, joke, uh, pledge levels in there. 
um, and and been surprised when somebody has actually taken them. Like I put one up for one thousand three hundred thirty-seven dollars, and and it was a hard drive with all of the multiplex comics on it. And you know they can't publish it or anything, but uh, but they get access to the file so they could poke through it and look at it if they wanted, or they just get a free hard drive with my signature <laughs> on it for some weird reason. <laughs> I, I had I literally had no expectation of anybody wanting that. I just thought it would be funny, and uh, and somebody took it. Awesome. A big fan of the strip, so you know that was great. But uh, but yeah, so the, I mean, you can also get like the screenplay, obviously digital download. Um, uh, and and being able to watch the the short before uh, before anybody else gets to, um, but um, but yeah. Well, cool. Um, I I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, is there anything we didn't cover that we should make sure to mention, or anything else that you want to get out there? Um. Well, I mean, I, I really hope anybody listening to this that sounds interested in uh, the idea of a movie theater. Uh, cartoon. Uh, we'll check out the the animated short Kickstarter page just to see some of the clips that we've got and and kind of get a general feel for what the project will be. Um, uh, you know, or just check out the comic strip multiplex and you'll get an idea of of what kind of humor there will be in it. Um, uh, beyond that, no, I, I don't I don't have anything else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you, uh, but yeah, thanks thanks so much for having me, and uh, and I hope your listeners uh, do check out uh, either the comic or the short or both, and uh, and obviously like what they see. Of course, yeah. No, I'll uh, I'll put up links to the site, and I'll I'll put up the YouTube video for the Kickstarter and everything, so everybody can see all of that good stuff. Cool. All right, thanks, man. No, I really appreciate it. It was nice talking awesome. to you. Thank you. You too. There you have it. Interesting guy. Really fascinating chat. Uh, I, I really like talking to him. Obviously, we talked for an hour. I felt like I could have talked for, for multiple more hours if we didn't uh, cut it there. If you enjoy him, if you enjoy his work, check out the Kickstarter. Check out uh, Multiplex. You know, Find him on social media and, and just keep up to date with everything that he's doing. I'll, if you look at the description for this show, I'll have the, all the links so you can check out all his stuff. And... If you enjoyed this, if this is if you're a fan of his work and this is your first time listening to Hobo Radio, go check out our archives. There are a bunch of other interviews that we've done that I think you guys will really enjoy. AJ Mendez Brooks, uh, the WWE uh, wrestler who just wrote a memoir. You can find her. Uh, I just talked to Aaron McGathy, uh, who has a lot of podcasts. And if you go back further, there, there's a lot of other really good interviews and plus just the the weekly show that the Lars and I do where we talk about pop culture and movies and such. Uh, so go check all that out. And that is going to do it for us this week. So remember kids, don't do drugs or you go to hell before you die.
Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. 